Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. Again, it is so great to see you, to have you with us in person or online. I want to wish all the men out there a happy Father's Day. Hopefully this weekend you're getting to do something that you enjoy. Uh, and hopefully your kids and your spouse and whoever has just made today a great day. But if no one else has wished you a happy Father's Day yet, let me, as one man to another, one dad to another, wish you a happy Father's Day. It is great to have you with us today. I also want to, before I go any further in the service, make sure you're with us next weekend, whether it's online or in person. Uh, we've got an incredibly big announcement to make. You do not want to miss next weekend's service. Online, in person, be here, be a part. Huge announcement for Life Church. It'll be a great celebration and a great thing that's going on. Well, today we're going to continue on in our series on reset. If you remember last weekend, we began and the word reset means to set again, to do differently. And we talked about the power of review. Review is when you examine something, you evaluate something, you kind of push away and you begin to reflect. And over the last 90 to 100 days, you have the chance to kind of reflect over things in your life and decisions in your life, things that maybe have become better because of having to be stay in shelter, stay at home, or things maybe that aren't as great. And maybe even in that time that there's been some poor decisions that you've made, or you've realized some poor decisions in your life. Maybe it's things like wrong habits or little to no margin. Maybe there's mistakes and wrong decisions. Maybe it could even be sin that you've allowed to come in or you've realized in your power of review that these are changes that need to make that you need to make in your own life. And let me talk just a minute about this. You see, when you begin to realize that you've made a mistake or a poor habit or a poor choice or even sin, you've got one to two choices. One is you can feel remorse. It's sorry, it's, it's an emotional feeling and, and it's natural. The problem with remorse is that remorse in and of itself never changes anything in our life. It doesn't beget change. It just kind of almost condemns you or makes you feel guilty which maybe if that's an impetus to change, that's a great thing. But in and of itself, it's very shallow. But there is another thing you can do, and that is not just evaluate and acknowledge the mistake or, or the poor choice or even the sin. You can make a change. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, is the power and the ability to make a change. Now, here's a word I want to give you. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down because this is the word that we're talking about this week in our new series on Reset. The word is repentance. Repentance. Again, repentance is not a word that we use a whole lot. It's not a word you hear a whole lot. It's kind of a word that we kind of associate with, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm going to repent of my sins. It's kind of a church word. It's kind of associated in that way because it's probably the most context that we've heard it in. But I want to look at repentance, not just from a sin perspective, but from uh, a change perspective. Because the word repentance means to change. That's what it means. I know it's a big word and it's kind of a theological word, but it, it means to change, to turn and to change. That's exactly the definition. If you're going to write that down, repentance means to turn or change to turn from, to do a 180 or change. See, when I am thinking about poor choices, poor habits, mistakes, lack of margins, 
Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm running myself ragged. I'm, I'm, I'm doing things that aren't healthy. I've got unhealthy choices in my life. I have the ability to change, to turn or to change, to repent of that action and to move forward. The same way I do if I have sin in my life. Sin basically is just a three-letter word, which means this. I have disobeyed God's plan. I've simply done what I wanted to do, not what God asked me to do. So today, repentance. The word that's used 101 times in Scripture, I want to unpack. How do I repent? How do I turn? How do I change? Biblically speaking. So today's message, I'm not just going to look at a passage. I'm going to look at multiple references in Scripture. So if you're taking notes, you're going to want to write these down. As we go along, I'm going to begin in the book of Acts. I'm going to move to the book of Romans, and I'm just going to be all throughout the New Testament, quite frankly, as I talk about repentance. Now let me say this. I know this is a bit of a heavy subject, especially on a Father's Day. So I'm not trying to put any guilt or any condemnation. That's what remorse does. What I'm trying to do is... If you feel like, man, I need to change, I need to start a new habit, I need to, I, I need, I need to be better in this, I, I need to clear this up, or if you're dealing with sin, either one of these particular ways in your life, the word repentance works. I want you to catch that. Because growing up in church, I only heard of repentance as being something that was just for sin. But repentance, most of the time, it's used in the context of sin in Scripture, but it's, it's principles also are completely applicable to habits being changed, uh, choices being changed, margins being changed, uh, wrong decisions that may not be sinful. They may lead to sin, but in and of themselves aren't sinful. The power of repentance and how that operates in the life of a Christ follower can help you change not just sin in your life, but poor habits, poor decisions. So let's, let's dive into this. So because repentance means to turn or to change, the first thing that we see here is Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So here is when we're, Luke tells us very implicitly, it's not just enough to be sorry, uh, but, but we need to turn we need to turn from ourselves. We need to turn to God. We need to turn from the things that, that have been wrong. We need to turn towards the things that we need to do. We need to turn away from self, turn ourselves to the Lord. So then our sins are wiped out. So then we don't continue to act the same way. So then we change. That leads me to the second word, change. Romans 12 verse 2 says this. Do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking, then you will be able to decide what God wants you to do for you will know what is good and pleasing in him and what is perfect. Romans 12, Paul's talking here of the power of transformative change in our life. Now I want you to notice something. That change is a process. It's the renewing of my mind. It's a day by day. It's the ability to decide today I'm going to begin to think a new way. And all throughout the day, I'm going to remind myself to continue to think of a new way. I'm going to continue just to kind of marinate on that and stay on that. And I'm going to process that today and all throughout the day, tomorrow, all throughout the day, next week, all throughout the week, next month, all until I renew, I transform, I change my way of thinking. So repentance means to turn. So I'm turning away from, 
and I'm also going to change, which means process. So, so to turn is an action, it's a decision. To change is the process based upon that decision that I'm making. In the context of life, it can be sin, it can be just poor decisions that may lead to sin, but in and of themselves, they're just poor decisions. Regardless, repentance is all about change. So how do I repent? How do I change? So glad that you asked that question. Taking notes, write this down. First of all, you need to admit it. Admit it. It begins with confession. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he, being Jesus, is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the first step is I, uh, of admitting it is that I confess it. I own up to it. And again, you can do that multiple ways. It may be writing something out. It may be getting alone with God and saying that. It may be looking at yourself in the mirror and just confessing whatever it is. I'm, I'm not making right choices here. I'm not making right decisions. I, I'm writing in my journal and I'm confessing that. Maybe I'm, I'm saying that just unto the Lord. If it's sin, I need to say it unto God. It's not just enough that I confess it to myself. The second part of admitting it is to depend upon God's goodness. To understand that I in and of myself am not strong enough most of the time or good enough or fast enough or quick enough or smart enough. I need to depend on God's goodness. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace, the word grace means undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor of God, you are saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not from work so that no one can boast. Truly. Truly, if I want to make changes in my life, especially changes that, are, that go completely against the grain of how I'm hardwired, I've got to depend upon God and know that he's for me and his grace is sufficient. Listen, if we didn't need grace, God would have never given it to us. You see sometimes people that go, those people are really spiritual because they never seem like they do anything wrong. They never need God's grace. The truth of the matter is we all need God's grace. And the truth of the matter is if we didn't need God's grace, he would have never given it to us. But it's his gift of grace that helps us when we admit. So, admit it means to confess. Admit it means to then, in turn, to depend upon God's goodness. So the second step of repentance is to quit it. I know this is really deep, isn't it? Admit it, quit it. Just stop it. I know it's easier said than done. How do I quit it? First of all, I end worldly connections. I end, I sever, I stop external things that are, that, that are, that are drifting me in this direction. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. This is typically talking, we find this a lot of times between people that you know, don't date an unbeliever, don't marry someone that's not a Christ follower. But there's more to this verse. Look at it, the rest of it. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And communion has light with darkness. It's basically saying, look, if you're going to walk in this direction, then don't walk with someone who's not going to walk in the same direction. Case in point. If you're on keto diet, you probably don't want to be around somebody who's a, who's a heavy carboholic. Amen? <laughs> if you're going to try to cut the sugars out in your life, don't be around somebody who's going to eat zingers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, if, if you're going to be a runner, you don't want to be around someone who hates to run. If you're, if, if, if you're going to, if you're going to be a leader, you don't want to be around people that don't want to change. Again, I know this is a spiritual context, but this principle works in every one of our lives. If we 
quit, if we end those connections that are drawing us back, that are triggering us back to the behaviors that we say, we need to stop this, we need to do this. It, it may be that at work, you're hanging around with a bunch of guys who are single, and so they go do things that single guys do, and you're married. And, and so you're realizing, man, you need to be home more. You need to be, you may need to catch some new friends. You may need to, to kind of sever some of those relationships. Are those necessarily sinful? No, but they're taking you away from where you want to be. Um, maybe you're new in your faith in Jesus Christ and you're really having a struggle trying to figure this out and live this out. You, you, you may want to distance yourself from, from those connections in the world, not, not in a shameful way, not telling them, hey, I'm a sinner, I'm, I'm, I'm saved and you're not, and I'm going to heaven and you're not, so I can't be your friend anymore. Not judgmental, literally just creating some distance between you and, and them so that you can bring some new friends, some new relationships in your life. Um, you know, maybe you're, tr whatever it is that you're trying to do, you want to get around like-minded people, the power of community. You want to sever those connections uh, with, as I said, end-worldly connections in, in order to help you quit it. And then you want to begin to develop, which is my second thing, establish godly relationships. Establish godly relationships. Acts 2.42, we see this in the New Testament church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They made a conscientious effort to quit hanging around with people, quit doing things that were keeping them from what God wanted them to do, and start being around people that were like-minded. Again, this principle works in any particular area of your life. If you want to be educated and you want to go, uh, go on in education, you don't want to be around people that don't value education. If you want to be a leader, you don't want to be around people that don't want to lead. If you, if you want to grow, you don't want to be around people that are just satisfied with status quo. If you, if you want to lose weight, you don't want to be around people that are just going to hit the buffet, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Whatever it is that you want to do, you want to begin to find and migrate and develop new relationships. So you want to end worldly connections and you want to establish godly connections. You're quitting it. And the third thing is to establish godly disciplines. What are the new disciplines in your life? What are the new habits in your life? What are the new things in your life that you need to begin to do in order to make this change possible? Again, I hope you're seeing how the duality of this, it's not competing with, but it complements. If you're talking about sin, you end worldly connections. You cut off people that are dragging you back to the same place, doing the same activities, living the same life. You, you, you begin to fill that with godly connections and godly relationships, and then you begin to establish godly habits in your life. If you're talking about things that are not sin, but they're just not healthy, or they're just not where you feel like God wants you to go, you begin to end some of those relationships that are, that are pulling you back, that are dragging you back. You begin to open new relationships with people that are running at the rate and at the pace in which you want. And then you begin to develop new disciplines in your life. Small steps become big steps. So you, first of all, if you want to change, you admit it. Secondly, you quit it. And the third thing you do is you forget it, especially when it comes to sin. You forget it. What do you mean by forgetting it? First of all, you forsake sin. Forsake sin. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Give it up. 
Quit carrying this. I see people that do this all the time, and I don't understand. I understand why. It's, it's, the, it's the enemy of your soul, Satan himself, that wants to condemn you. He wants to, he wants to heap condemnation on you. Even though you've asked God to forgive you and you've confessed it, you just kind of keep, like you have your sins, it's like in a carry-on bag, and it's wheeled luggage, and it's not even really good wheeled luggage, and you kind of pack it in there, and wherever you go, you've got this with you. Leave that alone. Forsake it. Leave it behind. You know, uh, take it to God and leave it there. You are not defined by your sin. You are not defined by your mistakes. You leave it there. You forsake it. If you're changing something that's not sinful, but it's a poor choice or you're just wanting to make a change, you literally just take that and you leave that there. You, you go, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna to quit doing this. I'm going to, I'm going to quit going here. I'm maybe, maybe it's a restaurant. Maybe I, I talk about food a lot because that's, that's my big issue. You know, when you change your eating habits, you, you go, I just am not going to this anymore. I'm not going to go there anymore. I, I can't really go to the buffet. I'm just going to go to where I know that I can have portion control or whatever it is. I, I'm, I'm going to quit going uh, over here and just hanging out and I'm going to, I'm going to join a health club and I'm going to join the gym and I, I'm going to get in shape. Whatever it is that you're needing to do, you forsake that old thing and, 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 and you forsake the sin. And then the second thing you do is you accept God's forgiveness. You accept God's forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, I've already said this, but I'll say it again. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you're talking about sin, let me say it this way. When you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of whatever sin it is, he's faithful, which means he will do it every single time. And he's just, which means he has the power to do it. Done. So why does that keep coming up, Aaron? Why do I keep? Because it's the enemy of your soul trying to condemn you. So that's not God trying to condemn me? No, John 3, 17 said, For God sent not his son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Condemnation is a, is a lie from the pit of hell. You are set free, accept God's forgiveness. And no one can do that for you but you. And maybe you've been struggling. Maybe this is the reason why you really haven't gotten close to God, because you just can't accept that God forgives you for whatever. Look, man may not be able to do that. Man doesn't have the ability to forgive and forget, but God does. And I'm telling you, if you're going to live the life that God wants you to live, you have to accept his forgiveness and move ahead. That's how we repent. Repent is not enough that I ask God to forgive me. Repent means I have to change. I got to move on. And the last thing when we forget it is that we walk free of condemnation. We walk free of condemnation. Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. There's no condemnation. Don't be condemned. Don't let the lie of the enemy entrap you and keep you back. Because he wants you to be defined by your sin, but you're not defined by your sin. You're defined by how God sees you. And how does God see you? As a son and a daughter of the Most High God. As a joint heir with Jesus. Just like if you have brothers and sisters and, and, and your parents have a great estate and a great inheritance, you are all joint heirs. 
You all are heirs to whatever inheritance is left. That's how the Bible, not me, not you, not the church, how the Bible defines our relationship with God's son and daughters of God, joint heirs with Jesus. That's pretty powerful. God sees you the way he sees his own son. God loves you the way he does his own son. You may not see it that way, but he does. So again, just a real quick review here. If you're going to change, you've got to admit it, you've got to quit it, and you've got to forget it. Now let me just end today with some signs of repentance. How are some, what are some indicators that you can look at to go, man, am, am I moving in the right direction? This isn't for you to judge someone else, but for you to judge yourself. Go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3. Verse 7 through 11, it's a conversation that John the Baptist is having with the religious leaders of the day. This is right before Jesus comes onto the scene in his public ministry. And John begins to, well, he's baptizing people. Check this out, verse 7. Many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, so the religious leaders of the day, came to the place where John was baptizing people. And when John saw them, he said, you are snakes. That's a nice welcome, isn't it? You, you, who warned you to run away from God's coming punishment? Look at verse 8. Do the things that show you really have changed your hearts and lives. And don't think you can say to yourself, Abraham is our father. I tell you that God could make children of Abraham from these rocks. The axe is now ready to cut down trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but one comes after me who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Paul, um, excuse me, John the Baptist is there, River Jordan. So if you've been with me to Israel, we did baptisms right in the river. John is in that river. He's baptizing people. I'm sure it was warmer that day than it was when we were there back in, in, in January. But uh, nonetheless, John the Baptist is baptizing people. And the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees come up. And these were individuals who on the outside looked all perfect, but on the inside were really messed up. On the outside, they looked like they were very, very holy. But on the inside, their hearts were far away from God. They needed to repent. And John calls them right there in verse number seven. He looks at them and calls them snakes and basically says, who do you think you are trying to run away from God's punishment? Just because you look good on the outside and, 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 and you're, you're messed up on the inside doesn't save you. And he begins to walk through and tell them, hey, do you think the things that, that show you have, do, do, excuse me, verse eight, he says, do the things that show you've really changed in your lives, meaning, Show your repentance. Don't just talk about it. Show it. Don't just say it. Show it. So what are those things? And he begins to list them. Verse 9 is humility. If you've truly repented, you show humility. Because he says, don't think that you can say to yourself, Abraham is our father, which means, hey, I've grown up in church all my life, or I know who God is, or, or do you know who my dad is, or my mother is, or my grandmother was, or they went to church, or I did this. I did all these holy things. I'm part of the family tree of God. No, when you truly have repented, there's humility in your life. You're not powering up, you're powering down. When you truly have changed, you're not trying to power up, you're powering down. There's humility that's there. The second thing we see in verse 10 is urgency. When you've truly repented, you see urgency. He, he makes the analogy uh, of that the ax is now ready to cut down the trees. Trees represent life. 
Trees represent your life and my life. It's all throughout scripture. a, A tree that's flourishing represents a flourishing, prosperous life. A tree that's dead or that bears no fruit illustrates a life that is dead and bears no fruit. And he, and he talks about the urgency that, that the that axe that's ready to come to the tree, the end of the tree. He's speaking of the end of the age, the judgment of God. It's ready. There's a sense that when you, when you find someone that's truly repentant, there's a sense of urgency in their life. It's not something I can do tomorrow. It's not something I can do next week. I need to do this now. I need to make this change now. I, I need to change today before I have to change. I, I, I need to make that change in my diet. I need to make that change in my life. I need to make that. That's part of why I'm talking to you right now because in these last 90 days, we've had a time to kind of sit back and evaluate. As we talked about last weekend, to review our life, our choices. What are things that need to change? Are you spending too much time at work and not enough time with your family? Are you, are you spending too much time uh, worried about yourself and not about others? Are you spending too much are, are you, you know, are you spending too much time doing X, Y, Z, and you should be spending it over here? Are you making choices over here and they should be over there? Again, it may not necessarily be sinful or it may be sinful, but the truth of the matter is when you're truly repentant, when you're truly ready to, to confess your sins, to admit it, quit it, and forget it, when you're truly ready to own what you're doing and to change, you're not going to put it off till tomorrow. It's today. And, and the end of verse 10, again, he gives the analogy of that tree, that life that's been cut down, judgment. Because it doesn't bear fruit, it's thrown into fire. This is talking about change. When someone really is repentant, there's change. It's not just lip service. It's change. You see a change in their life. When someone really is going to truly sorrowful for their choices, they begin to change. Now, they may struggle. I'm not talking about that. Sometimes we struggle our way uh, and, and we, we're trying, man, and, and we, we get up and we fall down. And God is gracious. We talked about that. Every single time he's faithful and he's just. But the intent of your heart, which only you and the Lord know, is where repentance comes from. This, I'm changing. I'm changing. You know, if you ever stop and think about it, you and I have the ability to do what we want to do. So you and I are the sum total of the decisions that we make. And it's easy to sit there online and watch or to be in, in, in the room and, and, and to hear a message and go, yeah, I need to make a change. And, and, in, the, and in the kind of the purity and the holiness and the conviction of that moment to make that decision. But tomorrow's going to come and next week's going to come and and, 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 and life is going to happen. And it's in those moments that true change is exhibited. And the fourth marker, he says in verse number 11, it's a dependence on Jesus. A dependence upon Jesus. It's interesting that John flips. He defers praise from himself and what he's doing to the one that will come after him that's more powerful, he says, whose sandals he's not even worthy to carry. If you and I are really going to see change happen in our lives spiritually, mentally, physically, and as Christ followers in all areas of our lives and our families and our businesses, we're going to have to lean on Jesus. We're just not that good enough. I mean, you may be really great in this one area of your life, but then you're, you're a train wreck over here. If you're really in the totality, to, totality of your life going to live this life that God's called you to, it's going to be about being dependent upon him. 
So when we are truly repentant, there's humility in our lives. There's a sense of urgency in our life. There's true change that happens in our life and a dependence upon Jesus. So today, what are you doing with mistakes, poor decisions, missteps that you've evaluated in your life, maybe even sin? Are you going to wallow in remorse or are you going to change? Are you going to repent? Remember, remorse doesn't change anything. Remorse is your human emotional response to change that you're going to need to make. The question is, are you going to change? The question is, are you going to repent, to turn and to change, whether it's sin or it's a discipline in your life? Repentance says, I'm not going to let my past stop me from my present and the future that God has. Repentance says, I'm turning away from my sin and I'm turning towards God. You cannot change your past, but you can change your future. And we all know that. But the key to changing your future is not in willpower. It's not in your running. It's not in your wrestling. It's in you coming to the end of you saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, help me to stop this and move in this direction. Whether it's sin or it's just a decision or a choice that I'm making in life, we all need the Lord's help. That's why the ground's level at the foot of the cross. None of us are any better than anybody else. We all need him. So today I want to just stop and I just want to pray a prayer. I'm not, I'm not going to pray a prayer of salvation today. Not that you can't. It's very simple. If, you, if you're not right with Jesus in this moment, you simply can just say, Lord Jesus, I accept that you are God's son and that you are my salvation. I believe that you're the son of God, born of a virgin, lived, on the cross, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave, just like the Bible says. And I confess my sins and I ask you to come into my heart and my life. You just simply believe in who Jesus is. You confess your sins and you ask him to come in and be your Lord and Savior. He will. But I want to take a moment and I just want to pray for those of you that may be just struggling whether it's a sin choice or whether it's just a poor decision, it's just a waste of energy or time, it's diversions, it's margins that you just go, man, you need to create more margin in your life. You need to reduce the stress in your life. You need to maybe slow down a little bit. Maybe you need to kick it in gear a little bit. We're all different. We all have different issues. But my prayer is that we will repent. I'm telling you, for me, I have to do this. I, I, have, I have my times where I just go, God, I messed up. Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it's just poor decisions. Sometimes it's just laziness. Sometimes it comes from a really good place, but I just, man, I just barreled through all the barricades that were there. I'm just gonna pray that God will speak to your heart, the area that you need to change. And then my prayer is, is that you will, well, you'll admit it, you'll quit it, and then you'll forget it. And there'll be those markers of humility and urgency, change, and dependence upon Jesus that really comes from true repentance in your life. 
Will you bow your heads, whether you're online or you're here in this room with me, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And I just wanna pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you today that your word is so powerful in our life and it speaks to every area of our life. Whether it's sin, which is disobedience to you and your word, which keeps us separated from you and the life that you have for us, or it's just poor choices, poor decisions that may or may not be sinful in and of themselves. They possibly could lead to sin, maybe not. They just lead to us not living the life that you've called us to. In either spectrum, I just pray, Holy Spirit, convict us, not condemn us, convict us, show us. As we take time to review, as we simply ask you that we would just simply take a moment and we would, as we feel convicted that we need to make this change in our work or this change in our family life or this change in our personal life, or we need to ask you to forgive us of a sin, that we would, God, we'd admit it. We'd own it. Whether we say it out loud, whether we say it to ourselves, we write it down in a journal that we would admit it. Then God, that we would quit it, that we would take proactive steps to make changes in our life, to distance relationships, to sever activities, to, 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 to begin new habits that would be pleasing to you. And then God, that we would in our life, oh God, that we would have change, the fruit of change in our life out of humility and urgency and a dependence upon you that only can come from you. I pray God help us today. As don't let this hundred days that we've just gone through just be another blip on the radar that we talk about, but let there be changes that come out of this. Some of us need to spend more time with our family. Some of us need to pull back from work. Some of us need to engage and be even more, more, more sharp. And, and some of us need to, to make some health choices in our life. Some of us need to make some, we just need to just get right with you, God, and truly old fashioned, old school repent of our sins. Whatever it may be, help us today. Holy Spirit, convict us, and then it becomes our responsibility to see us the way you see us. And not to wallow in remorse, but to own it, to admit it, to quit it, and then forget it and move ahead. I pray your blessings over your people today in Jesus' name. Amen.